This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief Sierra 117, with a shout out to the Xbox Expansion Pass. Keep your heads up during this time of isolation. Stay positive. Play some games. Most importantly, finish the fight. Thanks for listening to XEP. Master Chief, out. Welcome one, welcome all to episode 81 of the Xbox Expansion Pass, recorded on Sunday, May 9th, 2021. I am your host, Luke Lore, the Insipid Ghost. In this episode, I discuss the hidden benefits of many of the Xbox Series S and X features that I'd not initially given proper credit to. The court case between Apple and Epic continues to offer some very petty battles between two billion trillion dollar companies, and we celebrate Mother's Day by talking gaming moms and gaming moms stories. Enjoy. Yet another week of gaming is upon us and behind us. Welcome to XEP, discussing all things in the Gamerverse as they pertain to the Xbox ecosystem, and as I am wont to do each and every week, I like to start the show by offering words of kindness to those who have made my gaming week better. And this week, the words of kindness go to a familiar face to many XEP and cast co-op listeners, Ainsley Bowden of Season Gaming. Now, Ainsley's gotten this shout-out before, and I feel it's important to give him yet another, as uh, we're working on our side product of cast co-op, and I'm watching him do all of the work that he does over at Season Gaming, and uh, more than that, keeping his, his life afloat appearing on so many shows it's inspirational and it's amazing to watch and Ainsley continues to be an incredible role model for me uh, as I'm someone who often struggles to keep the bandwidth up on a personal level to be on the shows that I get to be on to make guest appearances to make content as it were particularly as uh, work is rather stressful at the moment it's really cool to watch someone do it all as if they're they're not skipping a beat whatsoever and and do it with such poise and grace and still sound intelligent and capable Uh, And as much as I like to give him crap on uh, the cast co-op and when I do feature on BitCast, uh, it's just really neat to see someone do it all the right way. He, as many other people uh, in the industry that I have the pleasure of working with, uh, keep me motivated and keep me going, especially when I'm when I'm struggling. And so that's awesome. And I appreciate you, Ainsley. Uh, I hope you have a wonderful week if you do catch this. And if not, you suck and you smell funny. Of course, this week didn't yield too many major news stories. However, plenty of talking points were generated from various aspects of the gaming verse. The Apple Epic court case, of course, uh, bringing quite a few things to light, as it were, which we can dive into in just a bit. But first, I want to take a moment to discuss some of the hidden features behind the Xbox Series S and X that have been well publicized and yet not publicized well enough. And by that, I mean, uh, I'm thinking of... FPS boost. FPS boost, of course, and I'm very conscious of this, uh, is is a feature that exists on the Xbox Series S and X to increase the frames per second on various uh, games from the Xbox, Xbox 360, and Xbox One generations. 
to really in, uh, make this experience more fluid, as it were. And it exists on a system level, and they can speed up and smooth out games uh, of your. And that's just, it's a fantastic talking point, right? But initially, I thought of FPS Boost as something akin to maybe blast processing, where it was something that looks good on a, a press release, something that people can mention on different types of content creation, but nothing overly thrilling, right? Like no real true effect in it. And mind you, I'm very conscious of the fact that in order to reap any benefits of XPS Boost, uh, you're going to be in a state of luxury, as you have to have a certain type of uh, display in order to generate 60 and 120 frames per second, particularly on a high-quality device that I uh, ended up purchasing at the very beginning of this Series SX generation, something I'd saved for months in order to do, mind you. Uh, it's a point of luxury to be able to even talk about it. And when I think about FPS boost and I combine it with things like smart delivery and quick resume and auto HDR, it's really brought to life a lot of older games that I enjoyed or never even tried out initially. Uh, it, it's kind of a neat thing because we have all these talking points for new consoles and they get debated and, and tossed around by different content creators and console makers and you know, this feature exists here and there. And you always wonder just how much you're going to use X or Y feature, and you don't really know in the first in the first month or two of what it is you're using, because you you need to have time with that experience. You have recency bias that you need to get rid of and whatnot. Uh, I have. I guess I, I'm stumbling here because I'm thinking about FPS boost and how I first heard it, and I was always like, "Cool, neat, okay, I get to play old Halo faster." I guess maybe that's good. But as I've started to play games like Titanfall 2, a game that I have long adored, mind you, I'm playing it with the new upgrades uh, of Auto HDR and Quick Resume, and more importantly, FPS Boost. Uh, and, and for context, I'm doing this on a 65-inch LG CX monitor, uh, TV, I should say. Uh, really impressive, really cool piece of hardware that the Iron Lords podcast turned me on to. Shout out to King David there. Uh, but in playing this game, which again, I have long adored, I have always loved Titanfall since I first laid hands on it, and Titanfall 2 is one of my favorite games of all time. Turning on FPS Boost just changed the experience, and it was already smooth, it was already fast, and it was already easy to, to get into, but now it feels beyond smooth, and it's smoother than anything I've ever played before, and the solid controls and clean visuals just make the experience of Titanfall 2 that much more wonderful. And, and uh, with Titanfall 2's recent resurgence, it had a free-to-play weekend, in which it was uh, free on Steam and, and I believe a couple of other platforms. Uh, I'm seeing more and more people start to go back and appreciate this game. Well, as someone who always appreciated it, I'm appreciating it that much more, and it's making me step back and think about all of the other games that are getting these various upgrades like FPS Boost, and it's truly a game changer that I didn't see coming. I'm consistently stunned by it. Uh, I recently wrapped up Rise of the Tomb Raider and just in the last few days started Shadow of the Tomb Raider. Shadow of the Tomb Raider, of course, one of the most recent of the, the Tomb Raider reboot trilogy games uh, to come out, and I am just stunned by the clean and smooth visuals, but then what FPS Boost does to this game, you can keep it in 4K quality mode, as they call it, and the frames never drop. It's just, it's wild to me how good this game looks. It's taking a lot of games from the Xbox uh, original and, and Xbox 360 generation and making them look great, like the way that you would remember them great, right? 
but it's taking a lot of those those elite Xbox One generation games and it's making them look native to Xbox Series S and X. And again, I go back to I never thought that this would be a big deal, right? It's a talking point uh, to put on the back of a box, you know, as it were, right? You need to talk about it and put it into a press release. But as I'm experiencing this, it's making me appreciate games that much more. And it's making games that I missed out on feel brand new. I'm alluding to Shadow of the Tomb Raider here most recently. It's it's just really a game changer that I never saw coming, and so I'm consistently stunned by it. Mind you, they just announced in this last week or so that the list of FPS-boosted games is up to 97 now. And this is a testament to that backward compatibility team, which churned out title after title during the Xbox One generation. It got that big standing ovation at uh, one of the E3s, and then since then has just delivered and delivered and delivered. And the question of, you know, it's old games, do we care? Yeah. Yeah, I sure do. Uh, there are so many games that I missed out on uh, from any generation, right? We always have those gaming gaps, as it were. Some of them voluntary, some of them not. And as I have time during the pandemic, uh, and as we slowly get out of it, the, the gaming industry is going to take a while to recover. And if there is a silver lining in the gaming space that we are to discuss, it's that we have time to go back to a lot of these older games. In going back to these older games, I'm getting a far better experience than I ever thought possible and i'm looking at the, the the list of games on this um xbox or game pass list that is fps boosted and it's just wild you've got all the battlefields there that are now playing better than ever with fps boost of course you have gears 5 multiplayer that's in there the master chief collection uh has has all, all types of upgrades of course uh, little silly games that i've always been a fan of like new super lucky's tale is cool but see if thieves is looking great i'm looking at the fps boost list at the moment now star wars battlefront 2 is just wonderful titanfall 2 is amazing uh, i'm looking over at the heavy hitters uh, as i go it's it's just it's it's wild, right? Even like silly fighting games like Power Rangers Battle for the Grid, that's probably not got a huge audience, but the dedicated fans there are getting to play a game that is smooth, fast, and, and just downright more accessible than it's ever been before, provided you have the screen uh, to, to display it. And I, I'm just thrilled by this. I, again, you think about older games and like, why do I want to play older games? Because I missed out on a lot of older experiences and now I get to either revisit stuff that I have played before, that much more exciting. Of course, I think about the Arkham games, Titanfall, etc. But the games that I missed out on, Mass Effect Legendary Edition is coming out. That's a remaster, uh, as it were, or in a collection that I truly never played the originals to. It's better than before. The older, the, the 360 versions of those, game, of those games now play better on my Xbox Series X than ever before as well. There are lots of ways to get into things that you missed. And so I suppose my question for you guys as we think about it and as we go back to uh, these different features that, that all of our console, new consoles seem to have embedded into them, which ones surprised you? Which ones caught you off guard? Was it auto HDR? Was it the speed of loading? The loading times, of course, on both consoles, uh, PS5 and Series SX, are just incredibly quick, which is amazing. I have found that now that it's a working, quick resume is is very nice. It's a cool little luxury thing. It's not a game changer, which I think a lot of people said at the the kind of the beginning of this generation. I'm not thrilled by Quick Resume. However, it's a cool thing that to just boot my game back up after a few days, uh, and it's right back where I wanted it to be. I'm back into the game faster. Smart Delivery, Auto HDR, and FPS Boost seem to be the ones that, that I'm 
leaning on heavily and just stunned by how much I like them and, and appreciate them. So, you know, let me know which ones you guys are enjoying most. Of course, you can tweet me at insipidghost, and you can email me insipidghost at gmail.com. It's always fun to get an email. I appreciate those. The social media space is abuzz with makeshift lawyers, it seems, as Apple and Epic continue to battle it out in the court cases for just how transactions and finances should be made and spent uh, in their various ecosystems of crossplay and otherwise, of course, Epic trying to get Fortnite back onto the Apple Store. And this is especially relevant to the console space, specifically to Xbox, because all types of news nuggets are popping out about different deals that are being made for third parties that are involved and working with Epic and Apple. I have been, uh, I guess I should say, taking a step back and just kind of watching it because I am certainly no lawyer and I have a very, very casual knowledge of what it is they're talking about over and over again. But a few impressions have stood out to me and uh, it's been interesting to read Donald Mustard's emails as he sends them to different executives throughout the industry. Uh, He comes off, in my opinion, as very petty and very silly, as does Epic, I might add. Epic, with their free Fortnite campaign and and the way that they're handling a lot of things, has seemed to be very juvenile, I think, in their approach. Meanwhile, Apple, it looks like that greedy, money-mongering company that has all of their their things in order. I say all of their things in order. Many more of their things in order by comparison to Epic. And what's interesting is that the, of course, the legal system is in no way prepared for the advances that these companies are bringing. These are billion and trillion dollar companies, and they have deals with so many other companies. And from technical glitches on different types of calls because they're doing the court case virtually, people are able to access files that are revealing what you would probably call in the gaming industry is classified documents deals are coming out left and right and you're seeing these contact emails from different executives uh, it's been fascinating to watch phil spencer's responses and in, in the emails to these or in these documents i should say not stuff that he's saying on social media currently but little call outs and responses to donald mustard and other people at epic and apple as he's emailing back and forth with them in his executive role he comes off as very genuine and very much uh, a gamer that is for the betterment of gaming, but also keeping his company afloat and running. And I would imagine that is a very difficult thing to do. Uh, I often say and note that there is a problem among Xbox content creators in that they evangelize Phil Spencer to be uh, something far more than he is. He's a wonderful executive that seems to have his heart in the right place. And some people tend to put him on such a pedestal that he can't make flaws. But I really do appreciate how amazingly genuine he is coming off in these emails. It's kind of a neat thing to see. And if you are someone who exists uh, primarily in the Xbox space, to know that you have that kind of mature voice that still wants the best experiences for you at the top is a nice thing, particularly in the wake of other executives, uh, not just at competing companies, but in Xbox's history. You can point to Don Matrick if you like on that one. Uh, It's been nice to see, I suppose, that reaction. I have uh, chuckled many a time in reading some of the things, uh, like the judge getting fed up with both Apple and Epic, uh, questioning different run-ins as to what makes an expert witness, some of the very shallow questions that are being asked of executives, uh, like Epic, you know, do you know what Unreal Engine is? Yes, of course they do. Do you know what an Xbox is? Asked to an Xbox executive. And reading the reactions to that kind of question are interesting as well. As you ask uh, an executive of Xbox, what is an Xbox? It's two things. It's hardware 
it's also an ecosystem, right? Uh, because Xbox is now a, a synonymous brand across multiple devices from the Nintendo Switch to the PC space, of course, to the hardware that extends from the Xbox 360 through to uh, the Xbox Series S and X generation in it via Xbox Network or Xbox Live. It's Xbox Live. It'll always be Xbox Live. I will die on that hill. It's just, it's, it's interesting, I suppose, to say uh, anything else. I will point, and as I've pointed many people to, Rebecca Valentine of IGN, formerly GameIndustry.biz, wrote an incredible article that I, I would encourage all of you to seek out that discusses some of the silliness involved with secrecy in the gaming industry and why some things uh, are kept in the shadows. Meanwhile, in other industries, comparable deals are quite public. Uh, I really appreciated the way she broke it down for into layman terms like myself because, again, not a lawyer and really don't have much of a stake in the idea behind a lot of these arguments. I play a lot of Fortnite, play a lot of Xbox, play a lot of PlayStation, but uh, I'm not dying on a hill for any of them. To read a lot of these things and, and discuss some of the ramifications, I really uh, appreciated the simplicity that her article offered. Uh, it was It was just fascinating to see the reactions to the social media spaces about how some of these court cases are coming out. Some of the things that are being revealed, like the idea that Xbox hardware doesn't make money. Well, that's something we've known for a long time, but people are reacting to it as if it's very big news. Well, it would make sense that you sell hardware at a loss. A lot of companies do this, save Nintendo. You sell hardware at a loss to get them into your ecosystem because we've seen time and again that microtransactions and digital sales uh, are, are just off the charts in terms of profit margins. And when you have PlayStation and Xbox, which are the two kind of main consoles we would discuss here, uh, they... They make bank. They just released these these record-breaking quarters all while selling their hardware at a consistent loss. And I really I, I like watching that happen. It was also interesting to find out that crossplay, a long-touted celebratory point for the Xbox ecosystem, and that, you know, Xbox was leading the charge on crossplay attitudes and making sure that people can play across multiple devices. XCloud is trying to be existent upon uh, Apple devices upon Switch, upon all different types of uh, areas, and then of course they led the charge on saying, hey, yeah, we'll let you play with Nintendo and PlayStation people. Rocket League was the first to kind of showcase that you could do this, and Xbox was in a decidedly third place position among the console creators when they were pushing this initiative. Well, it turns out that as Fortnite got cross-play and, and uh, several other games did, PlayStation was very resistant to that for a number of financial reasons. It was never about the betterment of people. It was always a financial thing, being that if you spent money on an Apple ecosystem, uh, how would you make money if you're playing the Fortnite game on Fortnite? You know, if you buy a cosmetic via your phone, via Apple, and then you can access it via PlayStation, the Sony executives seem to have an issue with that. It turns out from the revealing of these documents that PlayStation is getting paid by Epic to have... Uh, to have crossplay on their systems, they they get Epic pays them in order for the privilege to let Fortnite be crossplay. Meanwhile, Xbox, of course, not getting that. And you have to wonder: Is there going to be a reaction from Microsoft on this on this point? If PlayStation's getting paid, why not Xbox and vice versa? Uh, or do they let it let it lie and just continue to let people have crossplay and be the good guys uh, of that particular narrative as it goes? Uh, and we say good guys of the narrative. We're well aware that these companies, and we should be aware of these that these companies are not necessarily our friends. They are companies out to make money and existing in a crossplay space where more people can play uh, and have a wonderful audience is better for everybody to make a lot of money. 
it seems to be that this Apple uh, Epic thing has said uh, or really created a narrative of it's not okay to have a lot of money. You have to have the most money uh, for these companies. And while I appreciate that, a lot of money is a lot of money, right? Dano wrote in on this one, and he said, regarding the email and news uh, that is coming out of this Apple v. Epic case, do you feel it's weird to have certain uh, uh, the curtain pulled back on some of these private business conversations? Dano, that's a great question, and I always appreciate when you write in, so thank you for that. It is interesting to watch some of these things be revealed. Uh, it is not surprising about many of this stuff, though I think a few people that might have been perhaps too invested in their ecosystems might be frustrated to know that they're not the good guys they might have thought they were Uh, business deals like this exist all the time and i think all of them are a little bit frustrated of course if i'm microsoft right now a lot of these epic conversations are weird because epic seems to consistently be referencing microsoft and microsoft's battle is not necessarily with apple in this way Uh, And I have to think that they're wanting to step back just a little bit from this because Epic's not exactly coming out looking like the good guy in all of this. Not that Apple is, but Epic seems to be very shallow in their approach. They seem much more like the the whiny child complaining uh, versus the prepared adult that Apple is portraying itself to be, at least to my very amateur uh, interpretation. Uh, As far as having the curtain pulled back, I like that. I want more exposure uh, of a lot of these deals being made so that people are more more well-informed to their purchasing decisions, to their, the, where they put their monies. And I think some of these deals, not necessarily one over another, but the idea that there's so much secrecy in the industry that some of these deals can be especially insidious, right? And I'm thinking about things not necessarily from the court documents, but things like uh, EA is, is trying to find ways to get you to spend more money in games. That shouldn't surprise anyone, but I like that people are made more aware of different AI initiatives to, to get people to spend money and stay in ecosystems. I want people to be informed, as it were, as to what's going on. And the reduction of secrecy, I think, is better for the consumer. Um, I suppose I guess that's my answer there. Uh, I want the curtain pulled back as often as possible so that consumers are able to make good purchasing decisions. I will never advocate negative vitriol. However, I do appreciate when we call companies out on things that are not right. Uh, I also like that the companies are being made aware of other deals that are in place so they can make more informed decisions as well. Uh, I think often about the quote that Xbox consumers often go back to uh, from many years ago at this point where Mike, where Phil Spencer said that he was not a fan of third-party exclusivity deals uh, because they hurt the consumer. Is that still their attitude? Times change, ecosystems change, uh, and the available monies change. So do they still feel that way? The, rev- the revelation of certain deals in place now might uh, allow us to see more about that. And so I, I'm, I'm just curious to know uh, how they would react to the idea that now PlayStation is getting paid by Epic to have crossplay, And that's a feature that everyone should have. Is, is Activision doing the same thing? To have Call of Duty be crossplay, I want to know that. I want to know that. Should, does Microsoft find that maybe they should be spending more money for third-party deals? Are they finding that with their record quarters, they're not going to value them as much as uh, gamers might want them to, even now? Pulling back the curtain, I think, is a very good thing. I think it's a good thing. Uh, I'd be curious to know what they think, and maybe if the curtain's pulled back just a little bit further, we'll find out.
smaller stories from this past week, or I suppose smaller topics that I'm going to merge into just one kind of stream of consciousness here. Uh, first is Titanfall 2. I referenced it during the FPS boost. Of course, it was one of those games that headlined the FPS boost conversation, and it did indeed have a free-to-play weekend uh, pushed out by the the respawn socials and, more importantly, Apex Legends as they were touting their arena mode uh, and trying to get people to celebrate some of their history a bit more. Of course, Apex Legends is a spinoff of Titanfall 2. Uh it, it was really cool to watch the reaction to that because the consumer and player base went uh, and just skyrocketed up with that free-to-play weekend. People in PC space were discovering the game for the first time. And as a longtime friend of, of Titanfall 2, I was very pleased to see uh, more people discovering just what a fantastic game it is. And if you have not played Titanfall 2, I would strongly recommend that you do. It's available via EA Play, via Game Pass. Um, it's been always discounted to like five bucks or below. I even bought a Prime Titan for an extra five bucks just to send it Respawn's way. Of course, I've, I've bought many a Titanfall thing, but I wanted to support the game just a little bit more. I often do that. I don't know. If, do you guys do that? If you get a free game or you get a game via a subscription service and you certainly don't need to spend the money. I mean, I don't need a Prime Titan. It's just a cosmetic in a game. But just to support the game you love, do you guys ever do that? Maybe that's what I do with Sea of Thieves and a few others. I buy the Plunder Pass or whatever it is. And I don't necessarily reap the benefits of it, but I like supporting the developer. I don't know. Maybe maybe, maybe that's just a me thing, but I always like doing that, even if I'm not going to play it. I think about even Immortals Phoenix Rising, way back when that came out. Um, sometimes I get codes for, for free games, and I will, after getting the free code and experiencing what I'm going to experience, I'll still go buy the season pass just to toss some money their way. Um, I don't think I'm ever going to pick up the season pass of Immortals, even though I love that game. Hmm. I own it, but I want to support the devs. Weird. Uh, I'm curious if anybody else does that. I like seeing, bottom line, I like seeing Titanfall 2's player base expand, uh, particularly now as that game was really screwed out of a good launch from EA on that one. God, Titanfall Respawn couldn't catch a break there. Uh, but then they made Apex Legends, which uh, put, put them back on the map and, and paved the way for Jedi Fallen Order and even more. Side note about Star Wars games. Star Wars Day passed, I think, fairly quietly. I was a little bummed at how Star Wars Day was handled. But, but... Uh, hearing from from good sources, this is kind of a neat thing that showed up in my DMs, Coalition is quite possibly working on a Star Wars game, and there are at least three other Star Wars games currently in development from major uh, developers. That's kind of cool, and I don't mean all of them are Xbox-specific. Of course, we know about, I believe it's Massive that's working on a Star Wars game that might, might or quite possibly uh, set in... In the Mandalore times, of course, we say that we're guest debating because it was timed. With the, the announcement of that was timed with the Mandalorian, and they made the division. So it's like, all right, well, it, it adds up very well if you need gear and open world stuff. But I'm hearing that there are up to three big Star Wars games in development. Don't know if any of that's verified. That's all rumor mill stuff, so, so you can take or leave that. That's just fine. Other small stuff that popped up, it looks like Microsoft is making Xbox-themed sneakers which is kind of cool. I think Adidas is making those they announced, uh, or rather that was leaked here and there. As a guy who isn't really much of a, a sneaker head and doesn't, I'm not hip to the sneaker game, as it were, uh, man, oh man, the the images that I saw, I absolutely want those shoes. Um, maybe my maybe my XEP goal should be to get the show big enough to where down the line, if, if a company like Adidas is making shoes, they send me some. Uh, or at least let me give me access to buying them uh, before those those uh, that incredible sneaker community, which they go hard on stuff, right? If there's a new set of shoes out there, I mean, they gobble those up faster than gamers gobble up pre-orders uh, for consoles. Either way, they look cool. They look really neat, and I'm excited by that. 
One last thing in the small topic element, uh, Resident Evil. Reviews are trending very, very highly for Resident Evil Village. General consensus seems to be that they've eased up on the fear factor from Resident Evil 7, which I just, I loved Resident Evil 7. Um, I do own Resident Evil Village. I am good to go on that one, but I'm probably not going to get too far into it to give you guys a proper review. There's a lot going on at work right now, and um, I'm just wiped. I'm swamped. But with Mass Effect coming out as well, I'm thinking I'm going to put my energies towards a less stressful game until till work ends. Uh, we, we're in the end of the year testing for students right now, which you can imagine with, with the pandemic and virtual, is just it's just a nightmare. But once that ends, I've got Resident Evil Village queued for a great summer experience for me. Uh, I'm very excited to see what they do with this. I am glad to hear that the game is trending so well because I loved 7 again. They've eased up on the fear factor, as I mentioned. Um, and I'm a little hesitant there because as Resident Evil gets more arcadey, the game's qualities tend to go down. I'm thinking about Operation Raccoon City, which I really loved the premise of, and then the gameplay was just bad. Uh, and then, of course, the arcadey elements of 5 and 6 were just lackluster, to say the least. And I, there was a multiplayer version of Resident Evil that was just pure trash. Um, I'm not talking about mercenaries. There was another element. I believe I also have access to Reverse, which I don't, I don't know much about at this point. The reason I bring all this up, though, for listeners that were interested in my thoughts on Resident Evil Village, you're going to be waiting a while, and I would point you to better sources or more more relevant sources for a while. Um, I'm just more interested in taking out taking Mass Effect for a spin uh, before stressing out into a horror game. It's only 10 hours, though, so maybe maybe... Maybe the mood strikes, as it were, and, and I'll tackle, tackle, tickle, I'll tickle, I'll tickle Resident Evil. That sounds fun. I'll tackle that uh, when the time is right. I'm looking forward to summer, though, guys. I'll tell you that. Pool time and lots of games. That's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to stream this summer like I tried to uh, in previous years. It's just too much content creation for me to do with Cast Co-op, XEP, uh, and just the general amount of relaxation and, and decompression that I, I need for mental health. Uh, just too much for me. So take that how you will. This is David Bateson, the voice of Agent 47, and you're listening to the Xbox Expansion Pass. Let's get to listener mail right now. A lot of people writing with Mother's Day questions, and I am stoked for that. Uh, let's take a look first at uh, Clint Coombs, who writes in and says, What's the best mother figure in video games? Uh, is it fair that I mention Lady Demushka, whatever her name is, from Resident Evil 8? Can I do that? Can I say that? That, that vampire lady? She looks to be uh, the internet's favorite sensation of late. Um, the best mother figure character in video games. You'd think I would have prepped a little bit better for this. Um, Ori in Ori and the Will and the Wisp, the family that run, that raises the owl, is very sweet and very loving. Uh, Queen Mira from, from Gears of War. She's a great mom. Anya from Gears, great mom. Uh, Dr. Halsey from Halo. They all call all the Spartan twos call her mom. She's an awful, awful human being, but also saved humanity. So maybe she's the best. Maybe she's the best. I don't know, Clint. Um, these questions always flip me out. I'm never good at uh, relating, relating like video game characters, as it were. Uh, so sorry about that one. But another Mother's Day question we got came from uh, Mr. Benjamin Rivers, who I, I just adore Ben. Uh, great content creator in his own right. Great game developer in his own right. If you like horror games, uh, look up Benjamin Rivers 
Incorporated. Uh, fantastic game and worse than death. Uh, a great game also, by the way, that's not the traditional horror type of game. It's got some old school elements, new school vibes. Um, yeah, check that out. Ben says, did you ever play games with your mom as a kid? My mom was a champ at Astro Smash, Astro, Astro Smash on a television. First of all, Ben, good lord, in television? I don't, I don't even know. My mom introduced me to my first video game ever that I can remember, and that was the Star Wars Empire Strikes Back game on Atari. Uh, so I have that great memory of getting to fly around what I thought was the Millennium Falcon, but might have been a snowspeeder. I don't know. I've not gone back and looked at it. Uh, she introduced me to that, and I just that I fell in love with video games as a result of, of her doing that. Um, as far as great video game times playing with my mom, not much. I We had a really fun uh, FIFA tournament on PlayStation when we were taking a vacation down in Florida one time at Disney World. My brother and my father were on a team. My mother and I were on a team, and watching them play video games was a really cool experience for me. My mom and dad don't share a lot of the interests that I have, but some of my best memories of my parents are when they've played video games with me or watched Superman movies with me for my, I think it was like my 26th or 25th birthday. I don't remember what it, which one it was. They watched Man of Steel with me for my birthday. And for them to sit down and watch something that I love so much was really cool too. Um, but I, I think my favorite video game memory of my mother comes from a, a, a Christmas that we were, and we were always a few consoles behind. We, we put our money in other places so that we could travel around and, and uh, play soccer. We, we played soccer as kids pretty prolifically, but we didn't have any extra money for video games beyond that. So we were always a lot of, or several systems behind. So we had a Nintendo Entertainment System when other people were getting their Nintendo 64s, ending their Super Nintendo runs, right? Well, my mom went and stood at a very shady pawn shop in order to get some gifts for me that I opened on Christmas Day and saw Super Mario Brothers 3 and Top Gun and one other game that I can never seem to remember. But she did that... Uh, and that was a big step for her. She never liked pawn shops. It was never safe to go to the ones she went to, but they were the only ones that specialized in video games, as it were. And so for me to open up on Christmas Day and see video games as a Christmas gift, something that never happened, was just amazing. And I realized as I got older what an effort it was for her to do that. Uh, and that was just such a wonderful thing. And so my mom doesn't listen to XEP or whatnot, but she's just one of the most amazing people I have. And when you have Mother's Day, it's it's tough sometimes as you get older because it can mean something different to you depending on where you are in your life. Um, but uh, the reason I'm, re I'm recording this very early in the morning because we're going to go visit my parents or, and just later today, and I'm excited to see her and give her a hug because uh, she's fully vaccinated now, as are we, and, and that's a, a great thing. So, yeah, great questions, guys. Thanks for that one. Next up, this comes from Edward Varnell. He says, do you think some fans' concept art or design of a console are better than the finalized version? Uh, has there ever been a cons Xbox console design you really wish were real? Edward, I, first of all, yes. There are plenty of fan creations that are always better than, than the industrialized versions of special editions or whatnot. None of them stand out particularly as being like, oh, the one I wanted most. That's not really where my mind goes. I don't tend to save concept art, as it were. I'm always a fan of what uh, the Xbox Pope, who is now rebranding himself, uh, has made. He even made an Xbox, or an XEP uh, Series X, which was kind of cool at one point. Um, yeah, I love fans concept art and designs, but I've always been one to stick with just what the, the console makers make, as it were. I really like the Xbox Series X. I never thought I would, uh, but I really do like it sitting on my shelf. I like the design of the PS5, 
uh, if you could reduce its size by at least 30%, I, I would like the design a lot more, but it's it's a monstrous, terrible-looking console with the size that it's at. But I like the lines of it, for sure. Um, good question. I just don't have a good answer for you, buddy, so I'm, I apologize for that. Uh, also, Edward, I hope that you were able to check out the Limited Run interview, um, because that came as a result of you. Uh, and shout out to listeners that write in and tell me who they want to have on the show. Uh, I appreciate when you guys do that, and I do make a list, and I do reach out, and sometimes I'm rejected, sometimes accepted, sometimes I play ball and dance with people for years at a time at this point uh, to try and get them to come on. But thank you guys for letting me know who you want from the gaming space to be on the show. It's awesome. Thanks, Ed. Let's see here. This next question comes from Famous Seamus. He says... Uh, so rumor has it that NetherRealm Studios is making a Marvel fighting game. Uh, what would you like to see in a NetherRealm Marvel fighting game in terms of character stages and story? Great question. I think it is a, a very badly kept secret that NetherRealm is working on a Marvel fighting game. Of course, Ed Boon has even uh, made some cheeky allusions to people working in the uh, DC and Marvel space. He referenced James Gunn, uh, who is do- doing just that right now with The Suicide Squad and Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Uh, certainly I think we're getting the Marvel fighting game that a lot of us have wanted coming forward. What I would hope, and this is this is maybe not likely, I suppose, what I would hope in the wake of the incredible fighting game that is Injustice, uh, but some of the mechanics in Injustice that I didn't like, I loved with Injustice 2 the amount of characters, right? I just loved how many DC characters were in there, and as a just a longtime comic book fan and someone who I think trends more towards DC than Marvel, um, I love them both, though. I didn't like the gear system in Injustice 2 because I just want my character to look the way I want them to look, right? I just want them to be the character that I want them to be without the the failures of, of gameplay styles. So with a Marvel version of this, I would like to see no gear system that, that affects cosmetics, right? I want to just make my character look how we want to look. I want all the variety that Injustice 2 provided in terms of visuals with a Marvel fighting game. I want the ability to be... Uh, Peter Parker uh, as a Spider-Man, but Spider-Man from any of the the infinite Spider-Verses, as it were, uh, from from <laughs> from uh, Spider-Man PS4 from Insomniac all the way to Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield and any of the comic versions, right? I want to have as many versions of each of these characters. I darn well better be able to be Daredevil from the show because Charlie Cox's Daredevil is the coolest version of Daredevil ever. I love that stuff, right? Um, But I don't want looking like a certain character to damage my ability to play that character. Quite separately, what I would like to do is is see maybe a 3D fighting game. I really loved Marvel Nemesis Rise of the Imperfects and all the environmental uh, explosions you could do as Spider-Man. You could hop around as Venom. You could hop around and, and web things to throw at your opponents in really cool ways. NetherRealm is so good at, at story and that 2D fighting space. I would like to see that that 2D fighting space be expanded into arena battles similar to uh, Rise of the Imperfects, but, of course, with that NetherRealm quality that they bring. Uh, as far as characters, so many to choose from. None of the Avengers need to be left out. Get the X-Men in there. Get the Fantastic Four in there. Let people play out their Marvel Ultimate Alliance dreams in this fighting game. Get a lot of villains in there. Uh, here's hoping that NetherRealm's clout in the fighting game industry space and Marvel's continued realization that as many characters and properties that are shown in a product the better it is for them the happier I will be also quite separately uh, for God's sakes get Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 onto more consoles I love the game that's on Switch uh, despite all its problems but I would really love to see that exist on a PlayStation and Xbox space Uh, 
Last question comes from Eric Jackson. Uh, he says, is Mr. Bad Bit indeed the worst, and did I pay for the hi- highway billboard uh, to say as much? Yes, Eric. Uh, EJ, you are the man, first of all. I love working with you. I know we got to appear together on Level 1 Gaming uh, briefly, uh, and that was a blast, and I love spotlighting all of your work whenever I can. Um, but EJ, here's the thing. Babbitt is the worst. He, he, he's, he's ugly, he smells funny, and, and he's just a terrible human being. And so uh, I will pay any number of monies to get more people realizing that he's just an awful, awful person. Um, you know what's funny? I always get a chuckle because Joe and I give each other crap all the time. Of course, he's one of my, my best friends, and I, I love him to death. But it's always funny when like I'll say something like, you suck, or he'll say something like that to me on Twitter uh, after we're doing like this like heartfelt post. And then there's always people in the chat or, or the, the comments rather that don't know we're kidding and they, they just die on a hill for one of us. Um, we always get a chuckle about that. I always appreciate when people go to bat for content creators they appreciate. But when people aren't aware of the inside joke, it's uh, it's it makes you smile. I guess it makes you grin just a little bit, although I'm sure that out of context, we look like terrible people. Uh, but in Joe's case, he is a terrible person, and you should all know that. You should all absolutely know that. Uh, quick quick moment to say shout-out to the Trophy Room, a PlayStation podcast, where Mr. Babbitt and Kyle Stevenson as well uh, both had Greg Miller on the show. I know in, in our console spaces, that's a big deal. Greg, of course, a great voice from Kind of Funny, and it was probably just just uh, surreal for them to have that. And I know Kyle will be going on PS I Love You, which is a huge PlayStation show as well. So for that community, that's just a huge boost for him. Um it's great to see a lot of friends and, and content creators get celebrated in such a great way. Lord Cog, uh, who's guest hosted on this show, of course, from the Iron Lords, uh, just making the rounds on XCast and Unlocked and whatnot. Sean Capri, uh, my former partner at the Xbox Drive and, and somebody who I was estranged from for a bit and it hurt a lot and we've recently rekindled our friendship. Makes me very happy. Very, very happy. Very, very happy, truth be told. Man, um, uh, to see him on XCast is just a joy. Uh, and to really just see... Some of the people from from our like the size of content creation that we are at be spotlighted by some of the bigger guys is is really cool and um, you know I, I'm just my heart is warm for that and it's it's kind of a neat feeling I think also to be at peace with you know the success I've had and the success I'd like to have and then to see friends exceeding expectations surpassing them setting standards for me to work towards but also being happy for them it's a great thing it's a great thing and so. Uh, well, I'm very, very happy at, at, at where XEP is right now. Of course, there are goals I have to to share spotlights with bigger content creators. And at the same time, guys, anyone listening that's made it this far, I am so grateful for you. I am so thankful for you. I've been approaching content burnout of late just because of all the stress at work. But to see all the great comments, to see the DMs, to see the emails, and I apologize for getting a little emotional here, but it means the world. Like if you're making it this far into the show, you're genuinely listening to the show, right? You're genuinely a great listener. And um, man, I wouldn't trade that for the world. I, I think about some of these content creators that are getting 10, 15, 20,000 views per per thing. Um, and that's really cool, I guess, for them. I'm so happy with where XEP is. And, and sure, I'd like to grow here and there. But I'm just grateful for all of you that are listening and have the genuine real comments, the genuine real critical feedback, the genuine and real investment each week thank you guys thank you guys very much because when you make something for fun you want people to listen for fun and um i feel like i get that a lot so cheers to you cheers to all the people i shouted out and cheers to many more that didn't get uh, the shout out in this show have a wonderful rest of your week guys i do have interviews coming for you of course not in this episode but in the upcomings take care everyone